be seated. Everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, worship team. I appreciate his enthusiasm, don't you? And I even like the guitar solos because I grew up in the 70s. So thank you, Jay. We're on the same track there. Good morning to you. Welcome to Trinity. We're glad you're here this morning as our growing Wiggly worship is dismissed this morning. Y'all have a good time and uh, enjoy your worship together. We have some guests today. I know we have some family in town for Dolores' service, so we are praying for the Edmondson family. And that, uh, that visitation will be tonight, 3 to 5, here at the church. The service is tomorrow at noon. So thank you for praying for Jim and his family. I was over there on Thursday and had prayer with them. John is out of town this week. He's on his way back. He'll be here for the, for the visitation tonight and the service tomorrow. And so are our teams. They have been at a conference this week. They have also been on the ski slopes. If there's any snow left, I don't know if there's any snow. I guess on the mountain there probably is. But I got a text from Christian this morning. Good morning, Pastor. Will you pray for safe travels this morning? Let the church know that we have had a true encounter with the Lord, and I know that lives have been changed forever. So that is good news, and thank the Lord for Christian and Becca and those who serve with our young people, and we do want to pray for their return safely. So let's do that right now. Father, what a great time of worship we've had this morning. Our hearts are prepared for the word because that's what good worship does. It it draws us to you. It reminds us of ourselves and how needy we are. It reminds us of our world and how needy it is. And Lord, as we stand here in a free country today, we think of the people of Ukraine. And my heart is touched by the thought of brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering and dying, fighting for their freedom. I pray for them today. I, I feel a real sense of of uh, camaraderie with those who are standing in the presence of evil. And Lord, we ask for mercy this morning. We ask for your help uh, for those who uh, are doing what they believe you've asked them to do. And we pray that you would help them. And Father, we pray for our world. What a mess we are in. And how much turmoil and upheaval is going on around us and and. We focus on gas prices, which uh, hurt, but the rest of the world is focused on survival and freedom. So change our hearts for the people across the world, and we're thankful that we know others in other countries who are serving you and brothers and sisters who are crying out to you today, and we cry out for them as well. Please protect our teens as they travel, John and his family, Christian and those who are there, and Lord, we look forward to hearing back from what you've done in their hearts this week. So we commit the day to you, and we commit the memorial time to you tonight and tomorrow. May there be sweet remembrances, and may we rejoice in the fact that Dolores has been promoted to heaven, and for that we're thankful. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, our world's in transition, isn't it? And as I said, I'm, I'm moved by um, those who are trying to fight for their country. Putin is on the move. We shouldn't be surprised. He's not deranged. Some are saying he's out of his mind. No, he's a communist, and he's doing what they do. When they, seek, when they sense weakness, they move, and that's what they're doing. And he's daring someone to stop him, and so far no one has. So I stand this morning as when, when you're a pastor, you try to strike a balance. You know, you, you can't put your head in the sand. You can't, I hear people say, I don't want to hear anything negative. Well, I'm sorry. We live in the evil world, and you can't ignore it. You know, part of the problem is that we put our head in the sand. But you can't be so consumed with it that you... Get your eyes off God, and I appreciate the worship this morning and the focus on who God is. Is he in control? Yes, he is. Are men evil? Yes, they are. And somewhere in between is where we stand. So we need to seek the face of God. And the series that we're beginning, I think, is timely for this time. You look at this uh, slide that's kind of where our world is, isn't it? You know, we, we wonder what's going to happen next. We wonder what's coming. We wonder um, what's happening in our own country. Not only is the world in transition, our own nation's in transition. And much of it is directly against God's word. You say, that's terrible news. Yes, it is. It's, it's bad news. So where does that leave the people of God? Well, it should leave us on our knees before Yahweh, the one we sang about, the one who created it all and the one that's in control. So as we go through this series, I don't want uh, to depress you, but I also want you to see how, uh, how important it is for the people of God to be aware of what's going on in the world and to be on our face before God asking him when we feel so helpless about what to do. Well, he knows what to do. So what can we do? Well, we can pray. Now, sometimes, I hate to tell you, but we use that as a last resort, don't we? Should be our first. You know, we, we say, well, the doctors have done all they can do, and I've had all the treatments I can have, and so I guess I'll just have to pray. Well, we should pray for the doctors, that God would give them wisdom. We should pray for leaders we need Winston Churchill's, not Neville Chamberlain's. And if you don't know the difference, do a little research. Somebody has to stand against evil. That's the world we live in. You say, God's got it. Yes, God does. But he uses men. And he gives us nations and governments who have to make decisions. So, it's a serious time. Now, God is good. Let's keep that in perspective. And, and we need to trust him during this time. But the world's in transition. The, the country's in transition. The church is in transi transition. We've just come through one of the most challenging times in my ministry. And I think the history of the church in America, certainly, as we have endured. And by the way, some churches didn't make it. They closed. 
But God has blessed us, and we, we've actually grown during this time, and we're thankful for that. But we can't stand still. We've got to move forward as a church. And the church ought to be at the forefront of what's going on in our world. And I thank God for people like Franklin Graham who are there on the ground and doing what they can in the name of Jesus. And we should pray for them too. So, transition. Um, transition is all around us. We, we are, we're in transition in our lives too, aren't we? You know, some of you are at the very beginning of your life, so to speak. You're, you're, you've got your whole life ahead of you, and you're making important decisions. Uh, some of you are deciding, am I going to college? Uh, what am I going to major in? What am I going to do with my life? Some of you are thinking, who will I marry? Where will I live? What will I do with my life? What an exciting time to, to be at that point in life. And don't let the world depress you too much. think well the world's coming to an end and maybe it is but keep walking with God and going forward and and he'll lead you and he'll use you and then some of us are at the other end of life retired or soon to be retired already retired all kinds of different questions where am I going to live some of you have relocated some of you came here as a result of retirement and we're glad to have you and so you're on the other end of the spectrum what what is my life going to be like what am I going to do with my time well spend it serving we'd love to have you serve and there there's plenty to do in God's work and we're glad that we're here together to do it but transition if if you were navigating terrain that you had never been on before especially dangerous terrain and the stakes were high you better make sure you have a good compass or you better make sure that you're following someone who's been there before so let me encourage you this morning God knows where this world is going he knows where our nation is going he knows where our church is going he knows where you and I are going and we need to draw near to him at a time like this. But we need to hear from God Almighty himself during these times. Maybe, you know, times of crisis. Remember 9-11 when the churches were full and people turned to God and then it faded away? Maybe God's going to use this to, to get our attention and, and to cause the church to go forward triumphant. I'm ready. Are you? I hope we are. We don't know what God has ahead for us. So, the series we're about to uh, embark on together is called Transitions. It's, it's navigating life's twists and turns. Does life have twists and turns? Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Sometimes too many. Sometimes sharp turns. So, sometimes uh, we get lost on our way and we don't know where to turn. So we're going to begin this morning for a few weeks in the book of Joshua. If you're joining us online this morning, we're glad that you're with us. If this is your first time today, I'm Pastor Brian. You're used to seeing John here, and I'll be preaching for a few weeks. And if you're brand new today, we're glad that you're with us. And if you're here for the first time this morning, welcome to you. We're really glad that you're here. And I hope this series is an encouragement and a challenge to you. So... The book of Joshua. We know a little bit about Joshua, don't we? 
And maybe you don't know anything about Joshua. Maybe this will be a brand new uh, study for you. But uh, he served at a time of transition, a time of great transition in the life of God's people. And I really don't know of a more enlightening book in, in Scripture to study for transition than Joshua because everything was changing. The people were moving. They were uh, facing something they'd never faced before. Uh, ahead of them was danger, but ahead of them was also opportunity. And so all kinds of things going on that pe- people had been wandering in the desert, and now they were finally going to receive the promise of going into the land that God had promised for so many years. And so there was excitement, but there was also fear. Because Moses is off the scene. Well, who was Moses? Well, Moses was a great leader. He was the man that God used to bring the people out of slavery in Egypt. He brought them across the Red Sea. He he led them through the desert. Forty years wandering in the desert because of uh, disobedience. It should have taken a few months, but it took them 40 years to get to to the, uh, to the promised land, and they're about to finally enter in now, but their great leader, Moses, is dead. And so is a whole generation who did not believe God. I, th- I think of Moses doing all those funerals in the desert. Um, I've done a few myself through the years. I was at a church for four years, and I had 80 funerals in four years because the church was in transition. Some, sometime, one time I had six funerals in five weeks. I thought, what else do I say? Well, I just said what God gave me to say. And uh, I, I'm probably approaching something like 200 now that I've done in my ministry, and I I had a couple of dear ladies recently, and it's it's great to share with families. That, that's the ministry, and that's what we do. But I think of Moses burying all those people in the wilderness and how depressing and how discouraging that time was. But God has something encouraging on the horizon, and that's, that's life, isn't it? You know, we go through difficulties, we go through discouragements, but we also have encouraging things to look to. So, transitions. Transitions are an exciting time. They're also a dangerous time. Are you familiar with the Chinese symbol for crisis? Two words. One means opportunity, but the other means danger. And that would summarize our world, wouldn't it? summarizes life lots of opportunity things we look forward to things that we're excited about but along the way there's also danger because we have an enemy who's lurking to destroy your life and to destroy the church and to do all the destruction that he can in this world so if you're wondering this morning why is all this evil going on don't blame it on god blame it on the one who deserves it it's satan himself We often get those backward. You know, we take credit for everything good and blame God for everything bad. It ought to be the opposite. We ought to give God the credit for everything good and blame ourselves and our sinful nature 
for the evil that's going on in our world. And that's where we are as we stand this morning. Now, I want you, if you would, to stand with me today as I read this portion of Scripture because um, we want to show God and ourselves and others that we honor His Word. If you want to follow with me this morning in your Bible, you can, or if you can see the screen there, you uh, read along as I read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And these are familiar verses and great verses and verses for today. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. You may be seated. When, uh, when I was in Bible college, everybody had a life verse. And so I chose as my life verses Joshua 1, uh, 7 and 8. And I've, I've often, God has often reminded me of how much I need his strength in ministry. I don't know why any person would choose to stand for God in his own strength. I, st I stand here with fear and trembling. And I think anybody who knows the enormity of ministry and of leading others and for standing and speaking for God and, and explaining God's word and explaining who God is and telling others about him, that's a fearful thing because you better get it right. And I can't think of anything more fearful than misleading people from a pulpit. That's terrifying. And there's going to be great accountability for those who twist God's word and who compromise God's word and who do not stand and say, Thus saith the Lord. So I do it with fear, and, and, and I need your prayer during this series, okay? You know, uh, when, when you stand and speak truth, there are always challenges. Sometimes there are attacks. You might wonder, what, what goes on in the life of a pastor? Well, 
pretty much whatever goes on in your life at times. You know, there are struggles, there are challenges, there are blessings, and, and so we, we covet your prayer. And, and I especially do as, as I preach the next few weeks. I just read to you one of the greatest motivational speeches I've ever heard. Do you remember Zig Ziglar? Any of you remember Zig Ziglar? I used to, I was in sales. I used to listen to Zig Ziglar. What a wonderful Christian man. He's been gone 10 years. Can you believe that? It wasn't Zig Ziglar who spoke these words. He was a great speaker and a great motivator. It wasn't John Maxwell. You may know that name. It was God himself. It wasn't even Moses who spoke these words. Moses was a great leader, and God used Moses in a great way, but it was God himself who who Joshua needed to hear from and who spoke these words that we just read. And Joshua so desperately needed it because he had huge decisions to make. He had strategic decisions to make. Not only was uh, he a spiritual leader, he was a military leader. They were going into an occupied territory. He needed to know the mind of God because the survival of uh, his people depended on his decisions. And so as we start this morning, we're going to look at the big picture, okay? We're just going to get started in Joshua today. But I want to give you the big picture that Joshua was looking at, and maybe you can kind of put yourself in his shoes as we start this series today called Transitions, Navigating Twists and Turns, all kinds of decisions that need to be made. Well, as Joshua, and, and by the way, I've always been able to relate to Joshua. You know, he, he more than anything else, he needed to hear from God. And, and in my life, uh, I'm thankful that God reminds me of this. If I don't have the Word of God to preach from, I don't have anything to say. And I think you hear John say that too. We preach the text. We preach the Word. What did God say? What did God mean? What is he saying to us? So... If, if I didn't have a passage before me this morning, I'd just sit down on the front row and not say anything. But I do have something that I believe God wants me to say and wants you to hear today. So, next few minutes, let's get into it. What did Joshua need to know as he made major decisions? First of all, he needed to know what does God think? Now, you might say that should be obvious. That should be obvious to believers. But as I said earlier, sometimes that's not where we begin. You know, we begin with our own wisdom, or we ask somebody we respect, and that's a good thing to do. But there are some decisions in life no one can tell you what to do. Um, there's, there's wisdom in many counselors, Proverbs says, but you can't be the counselor, God himself, who knows you, who created you, who knows what you're facing, who knows the possibilities, who can look ahead of you and see the decisions that you need to make in life. And so as you're making, pardon me, making decisions, Joshua needed to know, what does God think? And so he he asked God on a regular basis, and by the way, so do we as leaders of this church. You know, why, why, why did God put Joshua in leadership after Moses? Because God 
appointed him there, and he's appointed John and I as leaders to this church. Could he be appointed someone else? Yes, he could have, but he appointed us, and we regularly pray and ask ourselves this. What does God think about our church and about our community and about our culture and about your lives? What does he think? There was another question that Joshua needed to know. What is my purpose? What does God call me to do? What, what does God want to do with my life? That's a good thing to ask yourself, by the way, periodically. What is my purpose in life? Is it just to do what I want to do? And is it just to do what I think is the next thing to do? Or is there a higher purpose for my life that God has? Well, let me tell you, there is a higher purpose. Whatever he calls you to do is just as important as what I do and what John does and what other people do that you think have been called to some high call. Your, your calling is just as important as ours, your purpose in life. God's given you a purpose. And for Joshua, verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. And he gives the, the boundaries of the land that he has given to the people. But Joshua has to know his purpose. His purpose is to lead. His purpose is to stay focused. His purpose is to do what God asks him to do and not to turn from it to the right or to the left. He, he has uh, called him for this time. And it's not always easy to stay focused on one, what God wants you to do. That's true in ministry, but it's also true in life, isn't it? You get distracted. You get pulled in this direction and that direction. But to Joshua, he says, Joshua, stay focused. What else did he need to know? Well, what is God asking me to do right now? What is God asking me to do? What, what is he saying to me right now? Am I listening to him? You know, sometimes I think if in, in the time that we live, if God wanted to get our attention, uh, he has to do something drastic because he's not even on our radar. There's so many voices in our life. There's so many things going on, so much noise that we don't even hear what God says. Well, Joshua needed to hear from God. He needed to hear, uh, what does God want me to do right now? Verse 6, be strong. Be of good courage. Because I'm getting ready to do something, Joshua, that I promised long ago through you. I'm going to divide this inheritance, this land, which I promised long ago to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and to Moses. This is coming to fulfillment. Under your leadership, Joshua. And here's what I want you to do. What is God saying to me right now? Well, Joshua needed to hear from God. He needed God's perspective. And he had to be absolutely persuaded that this was the right thing to do. And this was the right timing. So he, he was desperate to hear from God. What else did he need to know? Well, he needed to know, what are my priorities? You know, there were a lot of priorities facing Joshua. You know, it's getting into the land. What are we going to do when we get into the land? How are we going to uh, 
approach the enemy? How, what kind of strategy are we going to use as we take the land? Because the land was inhabited. It wasn't that, it wasn't that they were just going to walk in. Uh, he was also a military leader and had to, to think strategically. And so he had to keep his priorities in place. What was God's priority for Joshua? Well, again in verse 7, be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you'll be prosperous, and then you will be successful. What was his priority? To stay in the Word of God. Now, he only had the, the first five books, probably, the Pentateuch, the law, the law of Moses, the, the, the Word that God had given Moses to write down. He didn't have all that we have uh, access to as believers. We know the whole story. We know the rest of the story. We know the, the New Testament. But God told Moses, uh, pardon me, told Joshua, you, like Moses, Stay in the word, Joshua. That is, you, you take God at his word and don't you turn to it from the right hand or the left. There's so much in these verses. Somebody said, talk about the word constantly. Meditate on it continually. You know, it's not just enough to read a few verses and close it up. What is God saying to me through this? And we spend some time meditating and asking God to, to as, as Joshua must have, every day as he looked to hear from God. Read it obediently. When God says something that you know applies to you, obey it. Don't argue with God. Don't try to uh, change his mind. Do what he tells you to do. And I don't know about you, but most of the time I find that it's not lack of knowledge that I suffer from. It's lack of obedience to what I already know to do. So Joshua, obey. Do what God tells you. Follow it exclusively. Don't compromise. Don't take anything from it. Don't add anything to it. Just take the word of God, Joshua, and, and obey it and accept it totally. That's what God asked Joshua to do. And Joshua needed to know a lot of things. But what did he need to know most of all this is what I think he needed most of all he needed to know if God would be with him why would he lead two million plus people into a situation that God wasn't going to be with him why, why would he lead them into slaughter why would he lead them into defeat if God wasn't with them he knew that God had to go before him. He knew that more than anything else, he needed the presence of God. He needed God to go before him and to defeat his enemies and to show Joshua the decisions he needed to make on a daily basis. And we say, wow, what, what pressure that was on Joshua. But really, pressure wasn't on him at all. See, it was God who was leading Joshua to do this. It was God who was going before him. And... When, when God said to Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like I was Moses. 
I'm going to lead, and, and your job is to follow. And the, all the pressure was off Joshua. Now it was on God himself. And he was, and you know, the same is true in our lives. You belong to God. Pressure's not on you. It's on him. What's he promised? He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He's promised as long as we walk with him and follow him. He's going to help us make the right decisions. Sometimes we second guess and sometimes we look back and, and sometimes we say, what if I'd done so and so? God's got your life, okay? The, the important question is not what you've done in the past. It's where you are right now, today. And then there was a final question that I believe Joshua needed to know, and so do we. What is God blessing? You know, Joshua could have easily read all the military strategy of his day, and maybe he did. He probably did. He was a good leader. Uh, he could have easily asked all the people around him what he should do. And by the way, Moses tried that one time, and what happened? Well, 10 of 12 were duds. Remember the 12 spies? Only two, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a good report. Yes, we can take this land. We believe God wants us. Ten of them said, we can't do it, Moses. And there was a day when Joshua had to stand and say to those ten, I know what you said, but we're going forward anyway because this is what God wants us to do. And so he needed to know what God was going to bless he didn't ask God to bless what he was wanting to do. He asked God, what will you bless? And what will you make successful as we look to you? Well, good questions, aren't they? If I were Joshua, I'd ask these questions and a lot more. But I certainly would want to know, is God going before me? Well, let's kind of apply this to our own lives now for just a minute what do i need to know to make major decisions in life what kind of decisions are you making as i as i look across the congregation i see people from all age groups which is wonderful i see people who are i think my mic is rubbing on something here let's try that I see people from all age groups and all walks of life here this morning, and I know we have decisions to make. Now, um, there are different decisions for all of us. Some of you are younger. You've got all kinds of Some of you are older, but there are decisions that we need to make. And as, as we think of decision-making, as Joshua made decisions, what are the questions that we need to ask God? Well, I think they're the same questions. What does God think? Would you dare make a major decision in life without knowing what God thinks and what he's leading you to do? Now, we have done that in the past, haven't we? Some of us didn't know the Lord. We didn't know to call on him. Or maybe we knew to call on him, but we didn't anyway. And you look at that question and you think, what person would make a major decision in life without first asking God what he thinks? Well, sometimes we, we do that. You know, it's obvious. Sometimes we think, I've got this. I know what to do. Sometimes, uh, you know, overconfidence or, or good confidence, 
will cause us to make decisions and looking back we say you know what I thought I knew knew it all but I didn't I should have consulted God but now's the time to think about that what does God think what does God want me to do How's that? Told you there were challenges when you <laughs> preach. Maybe there's something I shouldn't say this morning. Maybe it's the devil doesn't want me to say it. I don't know. But we will resume. What does God think? What's his purpose for my life? Have you thought about that? You say, I'd like to know what my purpose is for life. I've been trying to determine that all my life. Well, what is your purpose? Your purpose, first of all, is to know Jesus as your Savior. That's why God created you, is to come to know Him personally, so that you can have a relationship with God. So if that's true, you're well on your way to purpose in life. The next thing God wants to do in your life is to make you more like His Son, Jesus. You say, oh my, I have a way to go. Don't we all? But that's, that's his purpose in your life. Not only to save you, but to make you more and more like Jesus every day. You know how that happens? It happens through uh, experiences in life. It happens through struggles. It happens through difficulties. It happens through good things that you see God do. And it happens through the things that you don't even understand why God is doing. But he has a purpose in your life, and he's making you more like his son, Jesus. That's his will for your life. And it's to walk with him. To walk with him. To look at his word and say, God, what would you have me to do? And what would you have me to do with my life? I, I, I have my whole life before me. I want to give it to you. And what he asks you to do and what you do with your life is just as important as what I do with my life. So seek his purpose. And what, what is God asking me to do right now? So, again, sometimes I wonder if God wanted to get our attention, could he even get our attention? Our, our world is so full of noise and distraction, do we even hear God? Listen to him. Spend time with him. Ask him. Meditate. See what God wants you to do because there's no voice as important as his. And then what are my priorities? That's a message in itself, isn't it? We, we need to constantly check our priorities in life. No matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing, what are my priorities? What my, should my priorities be? What has God said should be my priorities in life? Ask yourself often, what are my priorities? And then probably most importantly of all, will God be with me? As, as I go through life, will God be with me? What's the answer to that? Yes. 
Absolutely He'll be with you. Absolutely He's with you. As He promised Moses and He promised Joshua, to every believer He gives us that promise that He is with us. He is with us in the good times. He's with us in the hard times. Is He with our nation right now? Yes, He is. If we'll turn to Him and seek Him, and He's accomplishing His will in our world, will God be with me? The answer to that is, if you seek Him, absolutely. Yes, He will. And then... What is God blessing? I have to admit that there have been a few times in ministry that I've asked God to bless what I was doing, not to show me what he was blessing. But as you mature and as you have experiences in life, you learn to to say to God, God, what would you want to do? What would you want to do in my life? What would you want to do in our church? What would you want to do in this ministry? And that's the question we ought to ask ourselves. What, what is God blessing? What does God want to do? Not what do we want to accomplish, but what does God want to do and what is he willing to bless? Don't ask God to bless what you want to do. Find out what God is blessing and do it. Lots of decisions to make in life, aren't there? If I ask for a show of hands of people who are in transition this morning, probably every hand should go up because when we think we're not in transition, we probably are still in transition, aren't we? You know, life's moving on. Uh, we, Our lives are changing every day and there are decisions that need to be, and we desperately need to know what does God think and what will he bless. Now, if, if you're here this morning or you're watching us online today, and you're not sure you even have a relationship with God. That's where you need to begin. You need to ask yourself this morning, do, do I even know God? Do I even have a relationship with Him? And if you don't, the good news is, if, if you tuned in this morning without Jesus, or you began this day without Him, you don't have to end this day without Him. Because He's ready to come into your heart and into your life. And He's ready to change your life and change your destiny. And the Bible says uh, there's some good news even in the midst of this bad news in the world. And that is this, God loves you, Jesus died for you, and he rose again the third day so that you could have a relationship with God. That's the gospel. That's what you must believe, and that's what God requires is belief in what he has said about his son to have a relationship with him. So if you came here today without a relationship with him, you don't have to leave without a relationship with him. And if you're joining us today, there's nothing more that we would like to know than that you came to know Christ as your Savior as a result of being with us today. So I want to pray for us this morning as I close. I want you to bow for a moment. And I want to close like this. As, As we think about what we've heard, now I want to challenge you to do something as our praise team comes, and that is this. What what is the most pressing decision that you have to make? Maybe to some of you it's very obvious because you came in here with it heavy on your heart this morning. Maybe for some of you you're thinking, well, it's in the distance, or someday I have to make this decision, or someday I have to decide this or that. Ask yourself and ask God, what does he think?
What does he want you to do? What, in, in this navigating through all of these twists and turns in life, remember that there's opportunity, but there's also danger. There's an enemy who wants you to make the opposite decision of what God wants you to make. But as we study Joshua and as we look at his life, as we look at his decisions and as we look at what God did and how faithful God was, I hope this will build your faith. I hope we come out of this stronger and saying, yes, God does have a purpose for my life and God does have direction in my life and I want to yield to him and I want to be closer to him and I want to walk with him. I want to know his mind as I walk through life, not go through blindly and stumbling and wondering what happens. Father, you have promised to be with us as you were with Joshua. You promised to be with Joshua as you were with Moses. You promised to be with Moses as you were those who had gone before him to whom you had made great promises that actually you were going to accomplish whether you were able to use them or not. And they were imperfect men, just like us and women. Moses wasn't perfect, passionate, out of control one time. And yet we look back and we say he was a great leader, but he was just a man. Without you, he was nothing. And without without you, Joshua was nothing. And without you, we are nothing. All of life can come to, to nothing if we don't walk with you and seek your face. So we want to do that as we go into this study. What, what do you have to say to us? What is your mind? And Father, may we, at, at the very beginning of this series, say, okay, Lord, I'm here to learn what you want to tell me. I'm here to learn what you want to teach me. And may you speak to us and change our lives as we study this book together. We ask in Jesus' name.